So then I turn on the phone and I see PayPal notification, PayPal notification, PayPal notification. Basically the whole notification screen was basically like just like a scroll of PayPal notifications. So then I like went to the base camp and I saw Ryan made a comment. It's like, dude, we sold 40 copies in the first 15 minutes. I'm like, all right, we're doing okay here. Hey, so that's Moses Bernard. He's a movement performance chiropractor based out of Tampa, Florida. Uh, the dude's a legit movement savant. And in fact, when I was actually pulling this bio together so I can give deliver this little intro, I saw someone quoted on his side saying that he's, he's actually more of an artist and scholar than a chiropractor, which is just the best. Uh, we've been behind the scenes working with him for a few months and most recently for the past month or so on the launch of his Ultimate Spine, his new course, his first online course. And in this episode, Cass and I, we talked to him about how we sold out the first round of presale spots, 100 in the in just, I think it was like six hours. And as you just heard, 40, 40 of them were in the first 15 minutes. We talk about um, the Facebook ads and how we set up the targeting, uh, how we got his videos in front of more than a half a million people who didn't even know who he was before. Um, for something like $400. Uh, many of those people signed up for his email list and eventually the course. Uh, we talk about the strategy we use to get people started on the journey so that they eventually will buy and they did buy and some of the things that we were asking him to do as consultants that made him uncomfortable and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but before we get too deep into the marketing stuff, I had to ask him what the three stupidest things that he's ever heard yoga teachers say because that's always a, a, an interesting thing and Moses has a lot of opinions about yoga teachers, the way it's done and just movement in general. Uh, this is a really interesting, fun conversation. Moses is a, is a genius, so we're really proud and honored to be working on this launch with him, and we were really grateful that he came on the podcast. So I hope you enjoy this conversation, and if you have any questions for either of us, Cass, myself, or Moses, please just holler. Thanks for listening. Hey, so we're here with Moses. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Happy to be part of the podcast. Hell yeah, man. So I, I talked a little bit in the intro about the launch and you and, and everything, and we'll get into a little bit more about you. But I think just to make it kind of clear up front, like talking about his launch is the main purpose here. And because it's an interesting story and Moses is an interesting dude. And I think uh, there's a lot of good lessons. Um, and when he first contacted us to talk about doing this, he had, it may have been November or something. Of I think it was probably like mid-November. Yeah. And your initial plan was to do it in January. Like you wanted to start and sell it in January. And I was like, yeah, I, you can do it. And I think we could have achieved actually similar numbers, even if you wanted to, because I think you have enough stuff. But it, I, I felt like if you did it, then you wouldn't have set the table as well for next time. So I wanted to uh, push it off a little bit. What did you think about that initially? What was it like? Were you just cool with whatever? So at first, I didn't know why. But as we got further down the journey and I started to understand a little bit more about what you were doing with the advertising and the lift building and the communication, like it made sense. So I remember like maybe like two, three weeks before the launch, launch, I kind of made a joke. It's like, remember when I thought we could have pulled this off in like a month? So yeah, yeah if, if there's just a lot more involved to like doing this well than just like release the product and people buy it. Yeah. And there's like something actually cool about like a, a launch and, and like the event and all of the buzz and hype that surrounds it. So it's like you can actually milk more out of the story if you tell the story for a little bit longer. You know, like if it, if it's if if you're thinking about just like making the sale right, like the quickest way to make a sale, like maybe that's the fastest way to get the money, but it's not the best way to get 
a lot of money over a long period of time. Is that the best yeah, way to yeah. tell the story? Yeah. yeah. For sure. it, it also helps me understand like what the long game looks like as well. Yeah, and I, I think it helped a lot that you'd been delivering so much helpful, good content for such a long time and you already had a really good reputation. You were already doing really helpful stuff because I think like we would normally have wanted to postpone it even further and been like, you need to dig your well before you're thirsty yeah. kind of thing. But you'd, you'd been doing that for so long. Yeah, for sure. And, and and like there's like there are a few actual like tactical things, email list being one and a few that I think are important to talk about. And I, and we what we will talk about more of those later. But I think it'd be funny just because I, I haven't been doing it lately and I and I kind of miss it, actually, is just talking shit about yoga and yoga <laughs> teachers. You know, <laughs> well, you uh, plenty of that. I got, you don't worry about that. I got plenty. Coming yeah, up. I know. I I know you do, man. And I've actually, I mean, I've toned it down a lot. I'm like less of a, I'm less of a dick. I actually, in, in Cecily's, I'm in, I'm doing her mentorship M3 program and a woman in there left a comment saying, you know, when you first came around, I thought you were a genius. Well, I was like yoga marketing. that doesn't suck and all this stuff. And then you took my yoga teacher to the slaughterhouse and I, and I hated you. I couldn't even listen to you anymore. And when I heard you were coming on here, like I had to like learn how to like you again. Um, cause I used to be pretty fucking brutal, but, um, but I think, but you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to be brutal. I just think it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a cool way to present some of your really interesting ideas about movement and spine and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so w- just, just as the question is, what are the three stupidest things that you've <laughs> seen or heard yoga teachers do? Well, my biggest pet peeve is definitely belly button to spine. So I don't know, well, I do know kind of where this came from. I don't know how it got, how it became such a sacred cow that it is literally the worst thing that you can do to create stiffness and stability through your spine. And somehow yoga teachers have decided it's the most magical thing in the history of the universe. And when I suggest that, no, not suggest, when I show them the research that shows the exact opposite, like there's no one thing in yoga that is met with more resistance and gets people more pissed off than when I suggest that belly button to spine isn't the ideal cue. That's definitely like the most ridiculous thing that I hear in yoga because it's, it's just universal. It's uh, it's just like people say it all the time. They don't even consider like where it came from. So that'd be number one. Is that like a, do they justify with like a banda? Is that like a banda thing? A lot of the time they do. So the, my understanding is that the bondas are supposed to be more of an energetic awareness thing as opposed to a concentric contraction thing. But like most things in yoga, the West seems to have bastardized it and butchered it. So some people will use the bondas as kind of that's where that drawing in belly button to spine thing comes from. A lot of them, they literally just don't know. It's just their teacher said it and that teacher's teacher said it. And it's just to become kind of universal. No one's ever, no one questions it. Yeah. I learned this in my teacher train, in my yoga teacher training. I did a yoga teacher training years ago. And I remember learning to teach that cue with like almost they, I remember actually hearing my yoga teacher say like, this cue is almost universal with yeah. every single posture. Yeah. Yeah. It was, even, <laughs> it was even back in the day. Like I, I was used to read T nation when I was a trainer, like, or like 2000, 2001, like that was one of the, ways that people would teach like stiffness and and then there would be other people on t nation that would like refute it you know for different reasons and everything but you know yeah 
when he came it was at least a discussion. <laughs> yeah, 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 mm-hmm. for sure, for sure, totally. But cool. So, like, what's the second dumbest thing? Uh, so that would be number one. Number two is blank pose is good for blank condition. And this infuriates yeah. mm. as a healthcare professional to say that this pose is good for your back, or this pose is good for your shoulder, or this pose is good for digestion, or this pose is good for hormonal function. To suggest mm. that the body can be simplified to one yoga pose can fix a pathological condition fucking infuriates me. And <laughs> like, it's, I'm sorry, I'm getting fired up here. Like, it really, really pisses me off. When someone's just lying on their side and like, oh yeah, if you've got this digestion issue, this is a great pose for that. No, seeing a fucking endocrinologist is good, is what you want to do. Like, <laughs> your back is full, like, you don't need more back bend. You, need, you might need a fucking MRI. Like, like, let's be honest and realize that your 200-hour teacher training did not make you a clinical medical professional. Like, I'm sorry, like, no, that's, that one fires me up. So belly button pisses me off because it's so universal. The blank pose is great for blank condition pisses me off because of how much harm it's doing. So with belly button to spine, is that, that's like something that you show people how to fix and do better in your spine, in the ultimate spine, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. The entire part one of the product is here's exactly why belly button to spine fucks you up. And here's, here's basically how to do the opposite. That's a, that's a headline. It's like, here's how to actually create stability. Yeah, exactly. Because belly button to spine, the research is very, very clear, is worse than doing nothing. So I have a certain level of stability if I just hang out and do nothing. I've got a little bit more if I force belly button, if I force expansion and if I try to suck in and I do belly button to spine, my stiffness and stability plummets. And it's like not even debatable. Like it's very, very obvious. Yeah, I remember the like just one last thing on this because I remember like when people would, would like refute that idea, they would think they would say like, well, imagine a tree and you're trying to chop down a tree. It's like, which one's going to be harder to chop down? The one who's like thick, like thicker or the one that like has already been partially chopped. Yeah. You know, if you're like sucking, if you're pulling in, you're already making the yeah anyway so that's that yeah good i, I like i like putting that kind of shit right in their face so uh, so belly button to spine is bullshit and then those articles that pop up on facebook that are like five yoga poses to help you sleep better yeah, those are yeah, bullshit what like what's the what's the third stupidest one the third one is the phrase heart opener I hate that phrase more than anything because it implies that spinal extension is good and spinal flexion is bad. And they're both Mm -hmm. fucking movements. It's like saying turning your head to the left is a heart opener, but turning your head to the right is a heart closer. Like that would be ridiculous. But we do the same thing with flexion and extension. Any one direction of your body moving your body isn't better than moving it a different direction. So to imply that it is, you've got all these yoga people walking around with a fucking massive lumbar hyperextension because they feel like they're keeping their heart open. Meanwhile, they come, they're st- seeing me as a patient because their L5-S1 disc has been blown because they think they need to open their fucking heart. It's that. <laughs> I remember like when doing uh, when people when you'd be in Shavasana, like the teachers would say, like, roll to your right. And like the right side was like the moon nostril. Yeah. or some shit like yeah. that like, yeah. like what are you yeah. doing 
no, no. Yeah, and I try. And I, well, I, you know, I used to like just say, like, I would, I would like, I thought I made a post that was just like hard open, like, there's no such fucking thing as hard openers or something. Yeah. And I got lit up just well, about yeah, like, well, I remember that post. I'm, I, I commented on that post. Like, I hope I'm sure you did in there. I probably did. <laughs> I'm sure you did. I don't remember that post. Yoga no, teachers love their heart openers. That was a ballsy one. Well, you know, I think actually just to get, I don't want to move, I don't want to talk too much about yoga, but I think this is like the opening thing is an interesting one. I think that was one of the uh, metaphors that kind of fucked the whole movement side of it up for me. I didn't get any results. Like I, I like I moved shittier. I had less mo- range of motion after doing yoga for seven years because I, 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 I my sense is that like I was it was always about opening. Like it was never about closing. There was never any idea about like closing angles or learning how, like how to actually use your joint in different directions. It was always like open the hip more, yep. open your yep. heart more okay. back. Hip openers back. Are similar. So actually hip openers is in some ways worse because yeah. quote unquote hip openers brings your hip into external rotation. But the deep capsule of the hip joint only gets stretched with internal rotation. So the irony is that what yogis would consider a hip closer, which is hip internal rotation, is the only movement that actually opens the hip capsule itself. That's interesting. So by practicing quote unquote hip openers, you're actually making your hip a shittier hip because you're closing the amount of joint space within the capsule. Yeah, like the, it's interesting because like the like the internal rotation was actually like not not only was it not just not done, it was actually like almost bad. If you yeah, exactly. if your knee moves in this direction, mm-hmm. it, it, your hip is weak or whatever, you know. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yoga. That's 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 enough shit talking about yoga teachers. I'm pretty sure they're like, like how long you want to go? Like, I work in a yoga. <laughs> we could go. We could go hours. A whole episode. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. No one ever asks me the question, "What do you love about yoga?" And it's basically everything but the asana. Like, <laughs> there's so much good shit in yoga that is totally understated, and the few things in the asana practice that are shitty everyone thinks is the best thing in the universe. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, it's actually interesting that yeah. people always ask you, what do you hate? Like, what don't you like? I certainly went straight there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it would have been off-brand, though, if I'm like, what, what do you love about yoga? Yeah. Like, who the fuck wants oh, to hear that bullshit? Like, what happened to Ryan? Is he doing okay? Is I had that one post that was like, Moses hates everything about yoga and Pilates. And I put that post, I had a really interesting <laughs> conversation with a yoga person about how like, I understand what you're trying to say. And I've been trying to think outside of the box. Uh, but when you say you hate yoga and Pilates, like it, like it kind of rubs me a certain way. And I said, I didn't say that. I said, the internet says that. If you look, if you reread the post, like that is not, that's me not talk. That's not me talking in the third person. That's me representing what the internet says about me when I say, hey, Pilates got this right and this right and this right and this fucking wrong. And yoga got this right and this right and this right and this fucking wrong. And when I say that, the internet's like, Moses hates everything about yoga and Pilates. So that was the name of the post. Mm-hmm. But it's not true at all. And so when this person like went back and I told them like, no, that's not what I said at all. And they reread it and they're like, I feel like a fucking idiot. And I threw you under the bus and I was super insulting. I'm like, I got thick skin. Like, I don't give a fuck. But it's really interesting. So, whatever. (laughs) So, dude, it sounds to me like you have, like, lots of opinions. You know, like, you very, like, you clearly know what you think and what you want people to know. And, and, which, which makes me kind of wonder, like, what, and I've been paying attention to your stuff for a while, even as I moved away from, like, watching as much movement stuff. Like, I've been seeing yours forever and it's it's all red. And, and I noticed that people are, 
they what we, I think one of the big indicators to me was how, how many people leave comments on your carousel video posts that like people they have to swipe through to watch multiple talking videos it's on most people who post carousel no one watches them because it's like you can't get it done in a minute i ain't I mean, watching this shit but like clearly people wanted something from you they wanted more from you they wanted to be able to like they wanted to buy something from you was apparent to me so what took you so long to finally decide to make this this course well really it was building the brick and mortar business so i had a practice well there's a practice i was working at from like 2012 to 2015, um, where I had a pretty good amount of autonomy, but it was kind of a job. So I could basically go to work, the bills would get paid. I didn't really need to worry about it too much. So then 2016, um, got the opportunity to work with a professional sports team. And it was the type of thing where it's like, professionally, you don't say no to. It's kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I moved to Toronto and I worked with the Blue Jays for a season. And then my contract didn't get renewed. So then I came back to the US and I wasn't able to work with the same employer. So I actually had to basically start over and just kind of rebuild from scratch. And so it's been in the back of my head for years that I've wanted to do some type of digital product, but it just wasn't at the top of the priority list. And so the last couple of years has really just been me building up my practice to a place where it's pretty steady and I don't need to kind of put my foot on the, the marketing gas of the practice because the referral engine is kind of steady enough that I don't really need to worry about it. So now, so it, that, so when I kind of reached out to you guys, it was like, okay, the practice has been pretty steady for a few months without me really trying that hard. It's kind of an autopilot right now. So now I can shift my focus and my energies into some other shit. Cool, man. So smart. So you were just like working on an actual practice. Like you were working on a business where people can yeah. show up. And I think like as Cass was saying earlier, like you, that that it lends to your legitimacy in such a big way. There's yeah. a, a lot of people who were never able to build a bit like a real business. And then they all of a sudden now want to go online and start making products. And I think not only is it harder for them, but it's also just less cool a lot of the time. Well, another so. thing was the practices that I was at before, I didn't have full professional autonomy. So I had ideas in my head about like kind of how I wanted to treat and how I wanted to structure my practice, but I was a little bounded by the place that I was at. So where I'm at right now, I basically can do whatever the fuck I want. I can charge what I want. I can see patients for as long or as short as I want. So I was able to kind of build the practice and treat patients exactly how I felt they needed to be treated the entire time. And I was able to sample some different methods of communication over that time and sample some different strategies and kind of the birth of the spine course has been, these are the things that I've been trying for years and the things that I know work with my patients on a day-to-day -day basis. And sometimes it's this variable matters more and sometimes it's this one and sometimes it's this one, but I always assess all of them. And I, it took me seeing a few hundred patients in this exact way to be able to realize how I could put it together and package it for the masses. Yeah, that's awesome. Sweet. Dude. Yeah, man, having your hands like in the, like being in the in the weeds and doing the work is such an important part of like developing the ideas to a point where you can start to see patterns and things that you can like the, you can start to see the abstraction that can be a system that other people can yeah, exactly. purchase online. Yeah. So do, using it on people is a, is an important thing. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing is like important too, that made this 
launched such a, a success so far has been you were able to spend some money on ads and like you were able to spend some money on getting someone to help you with certain things that you didn't want to do. Yeah. And the, a lot of people who just try to go from, you know, whether or not they already have a successful business and they want to start selling things online, if they just start posting stuff on social media or, or doing kind of what they think they should be doing, it doesn't work if they're just trying organic stuff. Like the days of making money with organic only posting unless you're one of a very select random few people, it's so they're over. Like you've got to spend. Yeah. It's so limited what you can so, do. What, that's something that I've learned through this process is like, holy shit, I can just pay some money and have this same message reach people who would want to see it anyways. But just because of how social media works, they'd never get a chance. Like, I just didn't even realize that that was a thing. It's like almost worse in a sense because even people who have taken the step of following you, they don't even necessarily like only a small percentage of people who actively said, yes, I want to see this person's stuff actually see your stuff. Yeah, maybe like 15, 20% if or, that, organically. Like if yeah. you don't pay Facebook a little bit of money, maybe 15% of the people who raise their hand to follow you are actually going to see it. So with a little bit of paid traffic, just goes a really long way. Yeah, it's just an interesting thing that, like I've talked about it before, is just like how how strange is it to think that you're able to just to show up somewhere and just make money for free, just like yeah, I'm just gonna come here and just like even though it feels like you're able to reach people and posts and stuff like that, but it's like they control the thing. Who do you think you are? Like you think you're fucking smarter than like Facebook? You know what I'm saying? Ooh. It's like they like of course all these people want to give them billions of dollars for ads. They're gonna put their shit in your like where you would go. Yes. Yeah, well, everybody thinks they're going to be the Justin Bieber of whatever industry they're in. So, like, they're going to post one video and it's just organically the right person's going to see it. It's going to blow up. It's going to go viral and everybody's going to give you their money and it's, it's not no. going to happen. You have to put some money. Well, it could happen, but the odds are very, very low. So, if you want to play for the sure. odds, might as well get it in front of more eyes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I, you know, and it, like, I was actually thinking that brings me to the, like a, a strange thing. I was thinking about vi like, you know, the, the desire to have a video you post sort of go or vi go viral mm -hmm. as everyone wants like a viral video. But what we'll, we're going to be talking a little bit in a minute about uh, the way that we are using ads for this launch. And there's this idea that called the hot 28, which we uh, borrowed the name from a guy named Kurt Molly. And the hot 28 is basically uh, creating an audience of people who have been engaged with you in the previous 28 days. So they're, they're the most recently engaged. And that, that audience is, is ideally the only the people who are interested in you. So if you do post a video that ends up going viral, say, and then a whole bunch of people see it that weren't necessarily someone who would want to buy your thing, that could that like actually be, be harmful. That could like dilute an audience, you know? So oh, sure. it, it's, it's, it's sort of like people buying followers or doing all of these things to, to like make the appearance of an audience bigger. It's like you actually are diluting your impact and there's like real power in a small audience. And, and it really, it, it comes down to like taking whatever audience you have and making it smaller intentionally and then selling stuff to those people. Yeah. Well, that was actually something I was thinking about with the spine roller coaster post, because I saw a lot of comments and shares on that. That was like, people would literally share and be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> so like, sure. There's traction, but I don't care about someone just randomly sharing. Yeah, totally. yeah, that's funny you bring that up. So the the spinal roller coaster that was one of the first posts that we we started playing with in your account to brand new traffic. So that was one of the first ones we tested. Yeah, 
And in the beginning of like testing new audiences, sometimes it can be. And I noticed those comments coming in. And that was when we started kind of changing the targeting of, okay, this isn't the right. And I know exactly which audience was doing that. So it was um, the Brazilians. It was the Brazilians. Yeah, the Brazilians are savages, man. They were savages on that ad. They weren't having it. Um, but yeah, it's such a funny point because no one ever talks about like, everyone just thinks I want to get the masses. I want everybody paying attention to you. But it's like, how did that person find you? Because yeah. how they found you says a lot about whether or not they're actually going to give you money. Like if they Absolutely. found you through some super clickbaity video that they just happened to stumble upon because it was viral, it d- doesn't necessarily mean that there's someone who who needs a spine course. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> It's like, well, people's concern tends to be more about they like their the perception of status. So they want people to believe that they have status. So they like the number, they like the followers and they like the, the large numbers, the yeah. numbers when really they're very like, not only do they not matter, but they can actually be just like deceptive. If you use them as ways to guide behavior, they yeah. can be, they can be deceptive. Sure. Um, but so, so that was one of the reasons why we encourage you to wait a little bit, you know, before you launch the product was because we wanted to start getting your advertising account kind of warmed up and like driving some traffic and just getting some stuff going yep. and also building your email list. Because no matter how antiquated email may seem to some people, or, or, or there's a lot of people who will say like, ooh, email, like, who the hell even reads email? It's like, everyone still reads email. Yeah. You know, not everyone checks Facebook, but everyone still checks their damn email. And that's where the, the majority of sales still come from. So it was, we wanted to spend a little bit of time just building not only an email list, but also like building your, like your own chops and practicing making offers and driving people away from social media mm-hmm. to a page. Yeah. It's like a, it's, like a, it's a different, it's a, for some people that haven't yet done that, it can be a, a hard thing to say, go here to sign up for this thing. It was a different thing. It was a different thing for me. And I made a lot of comments to friends. It's like, I understand that the product that I'm promoting has an incredible amount of value I know that this product is literally changing lives, but why do I feel like Instagram booty girl promoting fit tea when I'm like, click here to sign up? Like it's, it feels weird. Like it just feels weird. Yeah. It's because a lot of the people who are promoting stuff on, on Facebook and Instagram are selling fit tea. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I think a lot of it is like, like even just, you know, I, I feel weird saying click. So I say tap most of the time. Like okay. I, I tap here because I think click is just a strange, funny thing. But yeah, man, I think that's that's a normal that's a normal thing. So that's that's one of the reasons why. Like rather than go straight into click here to go give me money, which yeah. I still believe. Like if if you told us you wanted to make three hundred, two hundred sales, I, I believe you had enough credibility to make that happen. Yeah. I just didn't think it would have been better f- for you in the long term. So I'm yeah. glad you were cool with pushing it off. Well, and a really good indication um, f- for me w- that this was going to go really well is one of the first things that we did for this this launch was we built up, again, what Ryan was talking about, that Hot 28. So we built Hot 28 audiences, which again, are just people who are, were already paying attention to you. And we started just repurposing content, but also showing them the video of you introducing part one, the breathing videos and giving them an opportunity to opt in. And the response was so good. Like a lot of times when we're working with somebody and they want to sell something, we'll be like, well, do people want to buy from you? Is that, that, are, are people even ready to buy from you? And with you, it was cool because 
like Ryan said earlier, people were already commenting on your posts all of the time, your carousel posts where they have to click through videos. And then when we started running ads and asking people for their email addresses, they came in really easily and really quickly, like even organically, when you made the post, um, that list grew. So it was a really good indicator that the launch was going to go well. You just already had people that were ready to buy and building that hot 28 and watching the reaction was a good um, yeah, a good way for us to figure that out. I was really excited. Like after we got those initial ads running and I saw how many leads were coming in, I was like, this is going to be good. Yeah. The getting, getting people to sign up and give you their email address for something is a good way to test mm-hmm. like the viability of your audience thus far. Like if they're not kind of like typically like you'll already be getting messages in some level, people will be mm-hmm. asking you questions and like, that's a pretty good indication. But it's like, if you, if you can post something that people will go and opt in for, that's like another good way before you get too invested in any certain direction or project. Well, and there's also the fact that like over the years, I've had several people, it's like, Hey, do you do online consults? Yep. Hey, do you have an online course? Yeah. Like, Hey, can I like book you online? And the answer has always been no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's because you've been, again, like you've been digging that well for so long. Yeah. You, well, you've been prepping people want, like people have been ready to buy from you for yeah. a long time. And you've been showing people that you pre- like you work with people. So like when there are people who like don't live in Florida or don't live near you, that can't come to you. They still see that you're doing this thing. People want, people mm-hmm. want that experience. So like the, the next best thing is the online product. Yeah, for sure. I, like there's been, there's a lot of people who are like your colleagues and stuff. I, I don't, well, one is Hunter, but there's even a few others yeah. that like any, but he, but he kind of has, he's been doing this now is initially like, there's a, almost like a hesitation to sell, to start selling co- like online coaching or, or anything because like they're, they know that it's a really complex problem and it's hard to deliver results. Yeah. It's hard to deliver the same results that they've been getting with in-person patients. Yeah. But for, for a lot of people, it's like you, you are the best thing that they are going to do. If, if it's not you, they're going to get sucked into some other, like some dickheads funnel and then buy some bullshit or yeah. never, you know what I'm saying? So it's like a lot of people, I think, and you are definitely a, a one who it's like you, you, like you putting your stuff in a format that is available for people that aren't close to you is important. Yeah. And good. So yeah, hell yeah. So the email list and getting the, and getting the ads running and, the, you know, we're just talking about just the, um, you know, the, the way a funnel is typically structured, you know, we all have heard of sales funnels. Everyone who's listening to this podcast has certainly seen an ad in their newsfeed for like, I had not heard of that term until I started working with you guys. A sales funnel. You never heard the term sales never funnel? Wow. Never once in my life. That's yeah. Cr- we should stop making assumptions That's like that. Crazy. I bet, I bet a lot of people will say the same thing. Never once in my life have I ever, had I ever heard that term. That's that's huh. interesting. Yeah, and I, I just learned something. Probably none of that. Had never heard of it. So, wow. So this whole launch must have been like a crazy learning process for you then. Yeah. <laughs> if, if sale is funny. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, when someone gets to the point of like hiring someone for something, they're already aware of what they don't know or they or they what they can't do themselves and a, and a funnel is something that like we get a lot of people will talk to us about like i don't want to build a funnel like they're it tired of like funnels a lot. yeah it's yeah. like a funnel geez well, well it's just like a metaphor everyone you you already have a, everyone already has a funnel yeah like, you already have one it's just like whether or not you made it like yeah either it's like just working well, yeah whether it happened because you decided how it was going to happen or whether it's just happened incidentally yeah, yeah everyone has that sales funnel yeah for the people there's like the way we look at it now well, actually we like this is the way we've always looked at it but the but the the uh cute little acronyms are tofu mofu and bofu yeah. Yeah. which is top of funnel middle of funnel and bottom of funnel yeah 
So top of funnel are people that don't know you yet. And there's a lot of people who, you know, especially people that don't have a lot of followers. Yeah. And I think, what do you, what do you have? Like 10,000 now you're at Not like 10 or 11,000. Yeah. So you recently just got swipe up, which I'm still yeah. fucking jealous. I just swipe up on stories. Yeah. But so, so people do want, they want to build their audience. They want to grow their audience. So what they're really looking for is like um, tofu. They want top of funnel people to find them. Yep. And, and we didn't do like, you already had a, a pretty robust, like middle of funnel, like people have been paying attention to you. So we didn't really even need to do a lot of top of funnel, but we wanted to just like, we, while we were doing this launch, it's such a, 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 it's a cool thing to be making a, a product and distributing a bunch of cool content and like giving away part one. that's like way too, way too much. Like I, and I was, I encourage you to be like, dude, but this is way too much to give them for free, but you wanted to do it anyways. And it worked. I'm glad that we did it. Yeah. But, but it was like, while doing all this, it's good to show people that don't yet know you what you're doing so that they can come and join the party. Yeah. So, um, one, it was mostly the spine roller coaster. We ran a few other videos, top of funnel. Yep. Um, and, and throughout this whole process, we spent about $400 on, on ads for people that don't know you, okay. which we didn't even, we didn't even necessarily need to do, but we pulled, but it, it was like they, that spend itself was profitable. People, people paid for the course, yep. but even if no one did, even if zero people from that four hundred dollars bought anything, yep. you it was you reached five hundred like five hundred thousand people that didn't know you saw you in the last month. Yeah, you got sixty thousand people to watch videos all the way to the very end, yep. and each one of those views costed you less than a penny. It was seven tenths of a penny to get someone who doesn't know you to watch a video from the beginning to the end on like on scroll happy Instagram. Two hundred twenty five thousand people watched your video at least 25% of the way, which enrolls them in this middle of funnel hot 28. Mm -hmm. So for, for very little money. So the, to get someone to watch 25% of a video, it costed you two tenths of a penny people that don't know you. And then it's, it's what you do with people who then watch your videos. That is important. And that's where you get to the middle of the funnel. Yeah. So the way that we started with this was, was with the middle of funnel. So we started running ads to that middle of funnel to people who were already paying attention to you and asked for their email address. And we started running top of funnel ads just to, like he said, bring new people in and see what was going on and test. But we really didn't even like what. what's so cool about those results is that it just sets up this next launch. Yeah, totally. I remember there was something that like I saw there was like a spike in like new sign up. Like there was like 60 or mm -hmm. 70 new email list signups in like a day. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what the hell happened here? And you were like, yeah, I tested something for like an hour. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was sweet. It was like, but and it was so cool because the middle of funnel, we were getting so many leads. We were already pulling in so many leads, but then we were getting all of these video views. And the way that the middle of funnel is set up is once somebody watches 25% or more of one of those videos, they're sucked into that middle of funnel. So it was like so quickly watching new people watch a video. And then within that same day, see the other ad asking them for their email address and just automatically hand it over. It was really cool. So like we were already filling up that list with people who were already paying attention to you. And then by showing them quality content and letting them raise their hand and join that hot 28, we were like quickly, yeah, within just a couple hours of that ad getting approved, that list spiked. It was yeah. re really cool how, how the funnel works. And then 
Well, we haven't gotten into bottom yet. Well, well, we were testing a bunch of different things, and a lot of the campaigns were running just at like a dollar per day just to see what kind of audiences were working. So it didn't require like a massive investment. But I just want to like, there's a lot of resistance to advertising. People like resist it because there's this. It's like a risk. It's like gambling. It's like you're putting money on the line that you might not get back. Yeah. So like I understand the resistance, but here's here's the thing. So like if you think about spending four hundred dollars on people that didn't know you over the course of six weeks or whatever to to be able to get five hundred thousand people to see you. And again, 62,000 to watch a video all the way. Like if you're not willing to drop $400 on your idea to get a half a million people to see it, why the fuck are you even doing the idea? Like what's the point of the idea? Like you're probably picking the wrong idea. Like you should be willing to spend $400. Or or you might like, maybe you don't believe in what you're doing or the product that you, the offer that you have at the very end. If you're not willing to spend $400, yeah, for sure. like it's, if you don't believe you, do, you don't believe that that idea is going to work, you'll lose so much more in the, you'll, you'll lose more than $400 by going down a path that yeah. doesn't, isn't going to get you anywhere. So there's like, you know, there's a lot to that conversation. I understand the resistance. But well, I think a lot of people like myself included didn't know what the reach of ad spend can be. Mm-hmm. If you, if I went to every chiropractor in the state of Florida and I asked, if you put $500 into Facebook ads, how many people do you think get to see you as a result of that $500? Mm-hmm. And I think no one, like very, very, very few people are going to guess it's in the half million range. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, people will actually, people will spend $500 over the course of a time, like boosting posts and like doing kind of like little basic things, or whatever. And then sometimes maybe someone will show up. Most of the time they don't get great results. And then they're convinced that Facebook ads don't work. Yeah, like I already did that. It didn't. It didn't work. It's like, well, you didn't actually put together a system. You didn't. You didn't put them through a funnel. You just like promoted. You boosted a post, bro. Yeah. Did you, Moses? Did you have any nerve, any nervousness about um, when we started doing advertising and like spending money on advertising? Did anything come up, or were you just like, yeah, let's do it? That I was fine with. That I that I had no problems with. I was starting to learn a little bit about advertising at the time. And basically the reason I hired you guys is because I don't have the time or the bandwidth to learn. So it's like, okay, these guys know this stuff. These guys understand my product. These guys understand my target demographic. Let me pay them to figure it out. And as we're going through the process and as you're explaining more funnel related things, I'm like, Huh, I'd like to know a little bit about what they're doing. Like, I don't necessarily yeah. need to know every single thing that the surgeon is doing if they're operating on me, but I'm still kind of interested in the procedure. So, well, I think there's like definitely something to be said for understanding it on a on a basic level because it it like changes the way you think about the work you do. Yeah, like you're able to get better ideas. Like when you understand, like I have this idea for this thing, and like where a lot of people will be like, I like I have no idea how I would sell that. You can be like, well, what I could do is I can run videos top of funnel, and if someone watches at fifty percent, I could take those people, and then I could spend another five bucks a day and drive them to an email sign up page and see, well, do they sign up for an email? Yes. No. Cool. So it's like, you can just like see your way through problems because you know what is possible. For sure. Oh, I thought you were going to say something no. genius about, right, just about that idea. Um, I mean, I have some genius stuff. Oh, I know but... you do. I know you do. So I, you know what I think would be cool is just like, just to, just to get into the strategy of the launch a little bit and just like talk about just you know, we, we mostly you know, maybe like what, 60% or so was posts that were Moses had already made. We used 
to like start the process of like getting not only top of funnel, but actually getting some registration. So he would make a talking video and then we would use that and essentially, and do what, do what amounts to boosting it just more strategically. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say like 60% of the posts we use were posts that Moses had already made that I went into his insights on Instagram and just looked at like, what is, what does the best, what do people really resonate with? And then what out of this group of content is relevant to the spine course and is going to get people where we need them to be. So like 60% of posts were probably stuff you'd already made Moses. And then the other 40% were talking videos that we would like yeah, so we'd, we, we'd fill in the gaps. We we there there are certain things that we wanted this middle of funnel, this hot twenty eight audience that we were advertising to to know about Moses, so that they would be ready to buy the spine course when it came out. And one of the big parts of that was actually sending them through part one of a four part course. So we got we we were enrolling them to start, so that they wanted to finish. People For tend free. to want to finish mm-hmm. things that they start. So and and by the way, right now you can still go and get part one. So if you don't want to do that belly button and spine shit, you should go pick it up before it's gone. <laughs> So like we used a lot of his own posts that we just was, was str- with like smarter boosting. And then we had him fill out the fill in the blanks with talking videos. So where we needed to demonstrate certain ideas, Cassidy would write like a look, kind of a loose script. And then Moses would go through and, and which, which, by the way, was so helpful that that you had been making talking videos before and that you were so like it was so easy for you to make talking videos. There's been, we've, we've worked with people before where it's like, we can't get things done because they can't make the talking video. It's like nervousness or they just can't get a take that they're okay with putting out there. And it was so nice with you to just be able to like send you a loose script and you just send us back the the perfect video. Well, that was interesting on my end because like, I felt like I did such a shitty job on that because I had no time. So it'd be like, you'd send me something like in the morning. It's like, Hey, like I need this, like by the end of the day or by tomorrow, I'm like, I've got fucking patience all day. So I'd have like a <laughs> random half hour and I like set something up and I'd like shoot a little bit of a video and it'd be like, if I had time for one more take, I could knock this out, but I literally don't. So I'd have to go back to work for the next four hours. <laughs> so it's it had nothing to do with like not wanting it to, or it was just, literally having zero time (laughs) that's it's it's almost like better that way though because you weren't able to overthink it and you weren't able to like have a whole day where you just have to film these videos because i feel like even better than making like the perfect video is just being able to do it fast and get get the idea out and and get it moving yeah and and here's the thing it's like like people people there's a lot of people who have ideas like they want to like write write a novel and they're like waiting for the day when they can retire and then go to the cabin in the woods for three months and fucking write their novel or they need they're they're, they're gonna do the thing when they quit the job between the next jobs so they have the time. Yeah. there's never or when they get the break well, in zero, patient, when they randomly the, have a day off of patience yeah, you that's never, never get gonna that. come there's only there's only stealing time from people who are trying to steal it from you. Like yeah. you can only, the only way you're ever going to get anything done is if you're able to do it in small windows of time yeah. that you're able to steal from everyone else who are, who are clamoring for your thing. So it's like being ready to be able to do it, which I think you've been practicing and producing stuff and putting out good content and just making, you know, getting practicing that stuff. And, and so you're not rusty when, like when it's showtime, like mm-hmm. when someone sends, we need this video by 4 PM, you know, if you're, you've been practicing so you can do it, you know, you, you don't got to, as long as you stay ready, you ain't got to. Your ready. videos also got better throughout the launch. I noticed. Did you like get more time throughout, or did you just? No, I got I got a teleprompter app. <laughs> so <laughs> I got an app 
for basically the for my iPhone, like I don't know, fifteen bucks or something like that, where I could like upload scripts into the app and it would basically like scroll a teleprompter like next to the rear facing camera on the phone. So I could like take the script and then like so what I used to do is I'd basically just kind of like memorize the script. And I would base and because it's been content that I've been talking about for years, that's still been like not that hard for me to do. But there'd still be times where I'd get like three minutes into a four minute video and my I'd just go blank and be like, well, fuck, now I have to redo it. So before it might take like six or seven takes just to get through the content because it was all in my head, but now I can just like like even if I'm not uploading a uh, a perfect script into there, if I can at least upload some bullet points of what I want to talk about, that at least kind of keeps me looking at the camera so I can just basically release the content faster. But yeah, that teleprompter app has fucking changed my life. It's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Yeah, man. That's like, that's like a, a, a smart way to work, actually. I think when you're good with a teleprompter, you don't need to practice. It's just like, send me what you need me to say. Yeah. And I recently heard, like, I don't know much about acting strategies and stuff, but Robert Downey Jr. was on Joe Rogan's podcast talking about there's always like different schools and way, the ways people memorize lines and shit. And, he, and he's been around forever. So he's done all these different things. And there was a period where and I think it might be still current. It's like where they have a fucking earpiece in yep. and like they're just thinking. They feed them the lines as they, they don't even practice it just yep. shows up like yep. when he's doing iron man is like yeah just tell me what to say and shut the fuck like i'm not practicing <laughs> shit yep. on 20 million i'll show up without practicing <laughs> that's awesome hell yeah yeah right? moses is on that level yeah upcast send me the script i'll upload it into the teleprompter app and we're good to go yeah, that's, <laughs> well, that's perfect so the most recent ones when there was a little bit of back and forth like there was the back and forth on what i wanted to say but once we got the back and forth down, it was like uploaded a teleprompter, one take, done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, it was like we like drafted the video in a Google document. Yeah. Yeah. Took took most of the time figuring out like what's coming up in the video and then actually making the video was like a minute long. Yeah, exactly. Ordeal. Yeah, that's so ideal. Yeah, that was there's two takes, but they were both perfect takes. It's just one of them was late at night and I didn't like the lighting and knowing that it was gonna be kind of like the main video for the um the sales page was like, I can do better. So then I basically just waited till the next morning and shot it outside. Yep. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. I mean, it makes our, it makes our job so much easier yeah. when it goes smoothly like that. It goes so much quicker. Yeah. So, so like just to like, let's just recap the funnel quick and then we'll talk about bottom and move. So like, yeah. if we're thinking about it, funnel, the top of funnel is where it's big and it's where all the people come in. That's new people. So that's where we're looking for people to watch videos or engage with your stuff so that once they do, they're pulled down into a special audience that we call now the hot 28 yeah, top of funnel. Just one quick note on that. It's usually people who are like, um, we won't get into audiences, but people who are likely to be interested in you. So it's maybe people, if you're doing a local thing who are in your local area, or maybe if you're doing an online thing, people who are interested in, uh, spine, certain authors, stuff. like relevant mm-hmm. authors or people who are kind of in, into the same stuff or other people that, your, the people you want, read, listen to, podcasts, et cetera. And, yep. then, and then once you go from, you know, you run some videos to them and then once some one of those people watches a video beyond 25%. Raise their hand. By, by watching that video, they're yep. kind of raising their hand saying, I'm into this. So they you're not get, asking them to click links or go sign up. You're just showing you're them just cool showing stuff. You're just showing them cool stuff and then they get to watch it, which indicates to us they're into it and they get sucked into the middle of the funnel. Yep. And then for, in the middle of the funnel, we start just like showing them a bunch of things that we 
the question we and we try to answer the questions that may come up for them. We try to get, overcome any objections they may have to eventually making a purchase. Mm-hmm. We try to prove that we know what we're talking about by showing testimonials. Mm-hmm. So, we give them in in this case, we gave them a little taste of what was coming. Yep. We gave them part one. We collected their email address. Like middle of funnel is a good place to ask for email addresses. It's a good place to show even more helpful content. It's a good place to get people to um, like good objectives for middle of funnel would be to get people to click on a sales page or maybe uh, view like a website that get, yeah. So get them a little bit closer to buying than just watching a video. So now once they're in middle of funnel, you can then sell, go to Facebook and say, okay, Facebook, I want to give you $5 per day to show this post or this ad to the people who have already watched some of my videos or done all these different things. And then those, those videos will eventually, those, those posts will eventually make the offer you want to make at the bottom of the funnel. Right. So then you can tell Facebook, okay, the people in the middle of funnel who did go look at the sales page, the people in the middle of the funnel who did go visit that one page on my website that is about my product, let's move them into the bottom of the funnel. Let's move those people into the part of the funnel where we're actually showing them offers and we're saying, here, you can go buy this thing now. Right. Um, so instead of spending our money showing somebody who's like not qualified at all, hasn't done a lot to say, yeah, I'm probably going to buy this product. Instead of spending our money on showing them offers, we're only going to spend our money at the bottom of funnel on showing the really qualified leads that offer. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, it totally made sense. And and I think the main thing about this is really like when you get to the part of making an offer, when you get to that stage, they're really, it's not about selling. You don't have to be cheesy salesmen because people at that point, they're ready to fucking go. They just need the button, you know, and, and Moses, you were actually getting messages from people that are like, you know, once we start, can you send me the button? <laughs> yeah. Can I send you my credit card now is always a good thing where people, you know, like we had, we've had people like back in the day, it's heavens less now, but like leaving credit cards in comments on Facebook, like, just get, like crazy shit like that, which is, I don't know if you want those people as customers. Yeah. Actually, they're probably not very stable. Um, but, but, you know, like, so, so like throughout this whole process, so like we've been running top middle funnel social media stuff, but you're also sending some emails and I, and I, I didn't realize it at the time cause we don't see the responses, but you said that like you had a few people who were t- saying that, you know, the emails were getting to be kind of like overkill. There was too many oh yeah. Them. You had some Karens. So this was interesting. So that this is something that felt kind of weird to me because like, as far as buying decisions, like I'm the kind of person where it's like, I know I need to make the decision or I know I'm going to make the decision or I'm not, I'm not someone who like sits on the fence. So if I were to, so if someone was like, Hey, I'm releasing this product. Like if I was excited about it, like I'm ready to buy. And if I'm not excited about it, you're not going to be able to get me excited about it. So for me, the amount of emails that was sent out, if I was on the receiving end of that, that would be overkill. So I had a couple of people who made that comment. But at the same time, like I had other people who were like, the suspense is killing me. Like, when are you going to release this? So I realized that basically these are just two opposite extremes. So if these two extremes are existing, then the reality is just somewhere in the middle where people are ready to go. Mm. Did did any of the Karens buy the course? Uh, I think they all did, actually. <laughs> the the people who said it was too many emails, yep. they bought the course. Yeah. Well, and they also and they probably and and some probably unsubscribed. Yeah, you know, that's so like, interesting to me. You know, and that, and that happens, and I think it's just it, like it's just an important part of the thing. I think uh, you know, it's not like very few emails were like just 
go buy my shit. You know, like there were still there's stories and kind of funny and personality. Uh, and there's going to be certain people who just no matter what are not going to like them. But yeah. um, the, the, the number of sales that comes through that list way makes up for, you know, any of the pain that comes from the unsubscribed. Yeah. Cool. It's interesting that, that, that those people bought the course because typically the people who are complaining about getting too many emails or seeing too many ads don't buy. Well, sometimes you'll get people who are like that know you. So like in my, in the past, Oh yeah. Like the, your friends or the people who are like, come on, yeah, like man, it's so many emails. students, customers. Yeah, yeah, say, yeah, that's yeah. True. That's um, true. But yeah, like, I mean, it happens with every single launch. Like if you're, if it's, if no one is complaining, then you you're not, not doing enough. Yeah, marketing. you're not doing enough. And really, like, if no one asked for a refund, you didn't sell enough. Yeah, typically is like the way it goes. Because yeah. like, there's going to be someone who's not going to do anything ever. Most yeah. people don't do anything. Yeah. Uh, and then they're going to ask for their money back. Yeah. But uh, yeah, those are like you kind of went through the whole gauntlet and gambit of things that can be you know get in the way of someone successfully releasing a product. Yeah. And I think you. I mean, obviously you killed it so far. Where yeah, and I'm so you said that it made you feel like it was a little uncomfortable for you to send that many emails. Was there anything else that came up during the launch that was uncomfortable, or just the emails? Well, the emails. Um, the uh, we talked about the uh, selling of the fit tea thing. Um, mm. and I guess kind of like in the back of my head. So there was some stuff that I read like years ago from some different um authors so like some of uh gary vaynerchuk's early stuff and some of uh chris gillibo's stuff about like kind of creating value before you have a product so in the back of my head that has been kind of running my um my social media presence like knowing that like i'm kind of bringing people into my world and building my tribe and it was kind of understanding that eventually there's going to be a balance of like, okay, you've set them up. Now it's time to like knock them down. And then like the knock them down piece felt like, okay, they're already down. Like I don't need to keep punching them in the face. (laughs) Yeah. But you kind of do though, you know, it's like at least to get them to like take action. It's actually crazy how little people are aware of things that you would think they would be aware of. You know, like even when I, like when I was teaching yoga, I would have, I would, I, I emailed it like a psycho all of the time, every day. Yep. I had a Facebook group and I would talk about certain things. And then like, I would ask someone like, so what's up with the retreat? You come in and like, they'd be like, what retreat? Yeah. It's like, are, you fucking, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Well, like, well, it's so easy to assume that like people are seeing every single piece yeah. of content yeah. that Absolutely. we're putting out. And with, Absolutely. with the emails, like they, they most likely are, they're most likely seeing all of the emails. So like, I'm not surprised at all that that was like an uncomfortable thing. But I think we also assume that they're seeing all of the ads and they're seeing every single post that we make. And they're not like even when you're promoting stuff, maybe now 60 to 70 percent of people are seeing even with the email open rates, which I understand I had pretty good open rates, but they're still they were never 100 percent. So every email is like Mm -hmm. people who aren't opening it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like it's all about the people who come out the very bottom of all the steps that you need, they need to take, you know? So that's why it's important to continue putting new people in the top and then nurturing the people in the middle so that Mm -hmm. more of them do come out of the bottom and eventually Mm -hmm. make the purchase. Yeah. So, so like we got to the, you know, we, we spent a few weeks running different middle funnel, top funnel ads. And then finally the pre-sale for the first wave of registrations was last Wednesday as of the time we're recording this. Um, 
And that morning, so like you, it's always cool. Like when someone has like when they're busy, when the cart opens so that when they finish the thing, they like see all the money, see the result or see what happened. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like cool to like not have to be there to like collect the cash. You're yeah. like doing something else while the money's coming in. So the situation was that, um, I've been in the U S since 06 and I've had a couple fail. So I've had some past employers who have like, sponsored me for going from a work visa to green card um, where things didn't really work out. So things or basically things are currently working out. So I've been going through this kind of immigration green card process for years. I'm Canadian. Um, and it ended up being that the interview for the green card. So the interview for the green card and the launch ended up just kind of randomly being the same day. So there was the initial idea of launching in January, which basically we shot down. And then we were looking at kind of like mid-February, which we kind of pushed back a little bit. And then we were looking at late February, we pushed back a little bit. And eventually um, you guys were like, all right, we're going with March 4th. We're going with a Wednesday. I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, just so you know, like I'm going to be a little busy that day. <laughs> so you don't really get to go into a uh, Department of Homeland Security interview and get to be checking your phone the whole time. So it's kind of like a cell phone dead zone, like you're under oath, like it's, it's a pretty big fucking deal. So my interview was on paper scheduled for 8.30 a.m. The um, launch to the email list was at 10 a.m. So I figured that like, okay, go in at 8.30, if it takes 45 minutes, I got a little bit of downtime before the launch starts. Um, but this is me making the silly assumption that a government organization would run on time. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember getting that message from you where you're like, it shouldn't take that long. And I kind of laughed to myself. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. So we end up going into the interview at like 9.35-ish or so. Got out around 10.15, okay? So then I turn on the phone and I see... PayPal notification, PayPal notification, PayPal notification. Basically, the whole notification screen was basically like just like a scroll of PayPal notifications. So nice. then I like went to the base camp to see if there was like any fires that needed to be put out. And I saw Ryan made a comment like, dude, we sold 40 copies in the first 15 minutes. I'm like, all right, we're doing okay here. <laughs> Yeah, that's killer, man. Yeah, Good the, times. The lock screens full of payment notifications are the, are the best times. thing in the world, man. I was talking my cut when I first started like making a lot, like oh, like higher volumes of sales, and I was getting those screen like those lock notifications. I eventually turned them off. Yeah. But when they were first coming in, I was all like proud of it and stuff. And I when I was out to dinner with my cousin, and I show I was like, dude, check this shit out. He's like, man, this is my amateur shit. He's like, relax. Well, he's on Amazon, and then like he gets like there's like hundreds and hundreds every day. So like. He's like, yeah, I did that for a minute, you know. But, He's like, turn your notifications <laughs> off, Dick. But that's a, yeah, that's a great feeling. Like waking up, waking up to a lock screen full of, of payment notifications. Coming out of your interview that yeah. you just crushed. Yeah, to, damn right. To some PayPal notifications. Yeah, good cool. times. Yeah, so the pre-sale kicked ass. All 100 spots sold out, and there's the you're hearing this podcast in the middle. So like, there's gonna the second wave, the final wave opens up pretty soon. Like whenever, uh, pretty soon, and. uh I thought it'd be cool. I, I mean, I th we'll probably all have the same prediction, but I think it would be cool for us to predict, like, we can predict how Let's many sales. Yeah, the time. Because it's for sure going to, I well, I shouldn't say it's for sure, but I. It'll sell. It's going to sell out. It'll sell out. But, but how when? much time? 
yeah. is it going to take from when we open doors? I think with with this one, we saw that like the first like hour was just insanity. Like there's people who had been like, they know that they want to be first. And like, we probably did half of our volume, like within that first hour, then it's still, like yeah. the next couple of hours was still pretty steady. And then it like slowed down a little bit more. So like the mm-hmm. true, true diehards, like they got on already. But um, as far as this next one goes, like, I feel like there's some things that we can do with our marketing and with our communication to if we do it right, like I think it could be the same. Yeah, I, well, I think it could be fast. I think it will be faster. Wait, because- wait, wait. So that's your prediction, Moses? The same? You think it's going to be the same? Yeah. Okay. What's your prediction? I predict. I predict five five hours from cart open to sold out. It was six hours this last one. I predict five. You predict five? Yeah. Because now they can't. There is no. There is no third wave. So like now it's over. That is true. That is true. I predict three. Yeah, I think three hours from when we open it, be- only because of like what you just said, Moses. I feel like we learned so much from that last launch, and I have like other ideas in my head. But also, we had this last launch. Like all of those people that came in top of funnel were nowhere ready, nowhere ready to buy anything. Yeah. Where now these people are being warmed up, and they're in the middle of funnel right now, and we have active middle of funnel ads going where they're seeing helpful content, they're being fed all these things. So I think that we have an entire new pool of people. And I think three hours now, I just think there's more volume now. I I, I, I think one determining factor, which I think we have to still kind of work out a little bit is I'm, I am encouraging, or we are encouraging Moses to take away part one. If they do not, if you do Mm. not sign up that you lose access to all the breathing videos. So I think if that, if that is indeed a go, I think that makes it go faster. I think because more people will sign up and they'll be on the list this week and they'll be ready for it. And then when it's time to go and we tell them it's almost over, it's, it's going to go faster. And just, just to be, not lose access to what they... So are you changing your answer? No, I'm, your my answer is the same. I'm just, I'm just like, that was just like a little caveat. Okay, so Moses says six hours. Ryan says five hours. I say three hours. That's fair. I think those are all... Those are all really good estimates. Yeah. So we'll do an update episode and and figure and tell you what happened. Um, or you're probably watching if you're listening to this podcast. You're probably seeing it in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, dude, just just like uh, before we go, man, there's like a couple of like quick rapid fire type questions. Cool. So, um, one, so what's one piece of advice you would give someone, maybe like a younger person who wants to be doing what you're doing right now? Um, figure out what you're passionate about and learn as much as possible about that. So like, what's, what's one thing you regret or you like wish you did less or more of in your twenties? I wish I'd traveled more. So I went straight from like, um, high school to undergrad to college. Like my first time, like going overseas was, when was it? 2016. Um, so, and I had a lot of friends growing up who like, they did the whole like backpacking in Europe thing. So like, I feel like I would have traveled more if I could do it all over again. Yeah. I think I can, I can, I can get with that. I left to go to LA. So I was like pretty happy with that move, but I think before then it wouldn't have hurt. I'm going to like Cass ask. Yeah. That's that. kind we- of validating. Cause I've been in that, I'm in my twenties and I've been in that mode lately of like, I re- I just came back from a really cool backpacking trip and I'm like, I need to be traveling like all the time. Cause even I'm young, but like my body hurt. And I was like, I'm going to keep getting older. <laughs> this is going to get harder. Um, it's fine for us. Come on, girl. <laughs> I, no, I'm totally going to. <laughs> so, okay. The next one, um, this is the last one, last one. Is this the last one? Yes. We can't do it. 
We can do two more. We can do two more. Okay. Um, What would you do if you found out you had 24 hours to live? Great question. Did I stump you? Um, Tell some, tell the important people that I love them. And I'd probably just meditate. Like probably just think, just kind of reflect on my life. That is some wise shit. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I suppose suppose it depends what your options are that day, but I like you. I'm raging. Like you're meditating? Yeah, no, I'm meditating. I'm I'm doing heroin jumping off (laughs) the the tallest building in the world. (laughs) I'm like, it was a good run. Like, it was a good run. Like, (laughs) Just reflect on it. Nice. Yeah. Um, All so right, last one. One more. Like, should I just pick a rant? Like, I have, I have a few I crazy that, ones. That one, the the All just right. off the wall one. This All right. Would you ridiculous. rather get Would you rather get uglier or dumber? Uglier, no question. That yeah. was so fast. Yeah, that was fast. We we, we, we stumped on that. I, for a I, while. I thought about it for a second, and I was like, when I was younger, it may have taken. And here's the thing: this is from a good-looking guy who understands that part of my professional success is because, like, I understand the effects. I understand the social psychology. I understand that being a tall, good-looking guy has been part of my success clinically and professionally. But I would still pick. Um, being uh being smarter because I feel like that has more universal leverage. Yeah, yeah sure. that was like exactly my kind of response to it. I was like, you know, I think being attractive helps in life. It definitely, but does. I think being being smart has to be. Yeah, I mean, I think <sighs> in the end, that's the only thing that will be able to keep you satisfied. Like, you you won't be, you couldn't be. I suppose you could be satisfied. That's the thing. It's like if you don't know how dumb you are. Like you might actually be more satisfied than someone who knows how fucked up everything is. I actually think it would be kind of interesting to live life with the same brains, but less attractive just to see what's like, what do you, what privileges come from being attractive? That sounds horrible. I I would be interested (laughs) one day, just like one. It's horrible, but it's true. Like we've all seen, like you guys are marketing people. I know you guys have seen the studies like. Oh, yeah, for, it's yeah. really obvious. Totally. Like, fucking everything. Like, there's advantages to being attractive. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. For sure. Thank, thank cool. God we're us. Jesus. You know? <laughs> yeah. Fuck, fuck me and fuck me in the list. Good to be us. before, like after that comment, like fucking people are just gonna be dropping off. Watches. <laughs> They're like, watch fuck that. these guys. I can, yeah, I can see the, I can see the spike, the, 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 the listen, the retention rate just fucking plummeting yeah, right now. Dropped. But before, just before dropped. everyone leaves, before everyone, like, uh, so, so the, I don't know when you're listening to this, but like, chances are the course is probably either not if it's not sold out yet, it will be very soon. Um, and can you just give them the quick like, why the hell should someone sign up for the ultimate spine? So back issues are the number one cause of disability in the first world. Most people who help you with back issues, so most chiropractors, physical therapists, yoga teachers, orthopedic surgeons have no idea what the fuck they're talking about because it's complicated and takes a multifactorial approach. And this product goes through every single factor that might be impacting your back pain, which when you get rid of your back pain, you can do the things you love and you can be of better use to society. So it's a pretty big deal. But if it, let's say my back doesn't hurt. Yeah, no matter what you like to do, having a body that works better helps you do that thing better. Whether it's, so your back doesn't hurt, you're going to get better sleep. Um, your breathing isn't great. Um, you're, maybe you're getting headaches. So controlling that can get things under control. It's health of your entire body starts from the inside out. So even though it is on paper a back course, it is a 
full body awareness course. So some of the testimonials have been about the back. Some of them have been about, I get better sleep because I know how to breathe. Some of it's my headaches went away because I'm not using my neck and shoulders for everything. It is really just kind of a uh, full body approach, just kind of starting from the spine. One, one little side question to that is like, I just talked about that backpacking trip I went on and re- probably like a mile into that. At first, it just felt like a ton of weight on like my back and it was just like pain. But then throughout the entire hike, it was like that pain would move from like my shoulders and it felt like my shoulders would be like, okay, we're going to take the load now. And then like another mile in my hips would start to hurt and my hips would be like, okay, we're going to take the load now. Is that like, would the would the ultimate spine course help me say I did that before my next backpacking trip and I was like consistent with it? Would that help or am I just weak? And no, I just need to actually, like work out. That's a really good question. It's a little bit of both. So a healthy body distributes the load evenly and kind of inconsistently. And so you want so if your body is unprepared, you want it to, okay, I'm gonna load the hips a lot for a little bit. And when they're done, I'm gonna shift it to the shoulders. When they're done, I'm gonna shift mm. the feet. So a healthy functioning body actually has the resiliency to shift the load other places. And so mm. it's probably just, yeah, you're unprepared, but your body's actually doing pretty good stuff. Smart. <laughs> cool. Good news. Genius without even knowing. Good it. news. Okay. Well, cool, man. This is great, dude. So like they can go and register for the first part for now, and then the course eventually, both of them, they can find out more at theultimatespine.com 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 and they can find you at Moses Bernard Uh, yeah Moses Bernard across the board so uh, on Instagram it's at Moses Bernard Uh, Facebook it's Dr. Moses Bernard my website is mosesbernard.com so if you google Moses Bernard you'll find my stuff (laughs) there it is that's the best answer (laughs) cool man well thanks for doing this dude this is really cool yeah thanks Moses looking forward to kicking some more ass All right, we'll chat soon Cool. Well, there you have it. Make sure you check out The Ultimate Spine at theultimatespine.com and follow Moses on Instagram, at least. That seems to be where he posts most of his stuff. And he's he's one of the really good accounts to follow. He's he's consistently posting things that make me go, damn, I never really thought about it like that, you know? So he's a, he's a good one. So check him out. And if you are interested in learning more about these advertising ideas, some the Hot 28 and the retargeting stuff and how we were executing this launch, there is a link in the show notes. We just created a brand new product uh, that shows you exactly how to set all of this stuff up. And there's actually a, a free video that walks you through some of Moses' actual posts and some of the things that we did so you can see how we did it. Uh, that's on a page that you'll find the link again in the show notes here. And if you have any questions about any of that stuff, just feel free to hit us up. And I haven't been asking this lately, but it seemed to help when I did. So I'm going to ask again, uh, if you like this podcast and you wouldn't mind leaving a review um i know you can do it on apple Podcasts. i don't know about the rest of them but that one helps a lot so it would be much appreciated i got some but i you know it's it's a good look i think it helps the the machine too so i would uh, appreciate the hell out of that and thanks again for listening i will talk to you next time later <laughs>